the elites of Israelite society, the chief priests, the scribes, the military commanders, the advisors to the king, the learned, and the skilled artisans stumble along the stony road to exile. The road is hot, rocky, and dusty. At the resting places on the side of the road, Babylonian soldiers laugh and mock them. Their feet trod the stony path to a land they do not know, to live among a people they cannot understand, for a length of time beyond their reckoning even as they mourn the death of families, friends, and neighbors amidst the rubble of the burned-out temple, which had been the central visible symbol of their faith but is now gone along with homes and families. All of it is gone and they will all struggle to find a way to define the purpose for their lives as an Israelite exile community. Yet, how will it be possible for them to be the people Israel without land, without temple, without priest, without cities, without homes, without family, and without friends? Everything that defined them as a people was gone. Nearly, every element of their identity has been taken away from them, as if they were stripped naked of their personhood. Into this complex matrix of grief, disorientation, culture change, shock and despair come the prophet Jeremiah's letter God told him to write. In the letter, Jeremiah delivers this word from the Lord, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare, Jeremiah 29 5-7. The meaning is clear. Your old life is dead, says the Lord, your new life is to be found where you are and in the new circumstances of your life. And it's going to be this way for an exceptionally long time, but at the ripe time, Kairos time, I will gather you and bring you back home. So, do not be seduced by despair and disorientation and false prophets who do not speak my word, because they will only lead you to death. Instead, center your life in me for I am your God, and you are my people and it is in my way and by my word that you will find new life springing up in unexpected places and in unexpected ways. Here in this letter hand carried from Jerusalem's rubble is God's promise of life. A promise resonant with the promises God made to Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel and kept through Moses and the wilderness experience where Israel was taught to trust God enough to choose life by centering their lives in God and God's way of being. A promise betrayed during the monarchical period of Israel's life story when exceptionalism, pride, prosperity, and power seduced Israel, as Walter Brueggemann points out, to believe that God's primary purpose and function was to guarantee Israel's special privileges and entitlements in the world. They were self-deluded into thinking God served them and their agenda for the world, until the prophets spoke clearly that God was reasserting the reality that the Lord of the universe will order creation and humanity according to God's restorative justice, righteousness, and equity. When the Israelites did what their ancestors did in the wilderness, that is when they failed to listen and trust God, they were sent out into this new wilderness called exile, so that once again God might teach them to trust and center their life in God and God's way of being with this new promise of hope this new promise of life. What I find remarkable and significant for North American Christian congregations in this promise is what comes in the last sentence, Seek the welfare of city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare is where you will find your welfare because the word translated as welfare is shalom which in this context can mean soundness, wholeness, completeness, health, or well-being. These are all words defining the totality of God's peace. Switching out welfare for one of these other words makes the sentence's meaning different, pray for the health of the city for in its health is your health, or pray for the well-being of city for in its well-being is your own well-being, or maybe a combination pray for the wholeness of the city for in its health and well-being is your own health and completeness. In whatever way we seek to translate shalom, the reality comes back so hard to us that it is impossible for us to miss the point that God is teaching, 
which is very simply that we are inseparably connected to everyone within the community in which we live or as Martin Luther King Jr. would say we are all caught in an intricate web of mutuality where I can never be all I am to be unless and until you are everything you ought to be. We are not created to be isolated little random moving beings within creation happy to be thinking solely of ourselves. Creation wasn't created that way in the beginning and it doesn't work that way now. Every part of creation is connected to every other part of creation, just like the cells and organs of our bodies are connected in interdependent relationships where what affects and influences one cell or organ affects and influences every other cell and organ. We all know that right? If I eat spoiled food and get food poisoning, it's not just my stomach that experiences it, is it? Or, if I have cancer or diabetes not just one small portion of the body is affected by it. The same is true of the hand surgery I had a few years ago. The same is true for communities. Indeed, God's lesson for these former elites of Israel is that there can be no viable future of well-being for the wealthy and powerful Jerusalem establishment, unless the entire community has well-being. A lesson the wealthy and powerful failed to learn throughout the history of Israel and a lesson the wealthy and powerful have always failed to learn throughout the history of the world both ancient and contemporary, particularly as we see them time and time again routinely neglect the health and well-being of the most vulnerable and powerless among them, the widow, the orphan, and the resident alien and allow the community to be disparately divided between the rich and the poor. This is the same lesson the 1% in this nation, their politicians and even the libertarian Tea Party folks, the MAGA folks, and other self-centered folks have, also, failed to learn. Yet, God is teaching this lesson to the Israelites in a strange land among people who do not share their faith, nor their worldview, but who are in control of governmental power, land, and wealth because they are the majority, and the Israelite exiles are the minority. So as the powerless and vulnerable minority, the Israelites are challenged to act in ways that will create health and well-being for the entire community. This is what makes this verse significant for North American Christian congregations, who have been told Christendom, the imperial and power-aligned church, is dead. Who come to the reality that the church no longer has the influence on culture and society it once did, even the big church evangelicals are losing influence according to Christian Century magazine. We are becoming a minority within many of our communities because our membership has been declining for decades and the church is being disestablished from its institutional moorings. But I must say that is great. Here is an opportunity for Christians to reorient our lives, our thinking, our discussions away from the obsession of church growth, the whining about decline of membership, the snake oil of finding the silver bullet for congregational transformation, dispensing with the focus on congregational life cycles and all the other nonsense that keeps us trapped in the self-absorbed delusion of despair and disorientation, so we might focus instead on the health and well-being, the wholeness and peace of the communities we live within and in doing so find our own health, wholeness and peace. After all, God's lesson for the exiled Israelite elites is a powerful challenge to Christian congregations who feel they are living in exile to look beyond ourselves and to comprehend that the health of the communities where our congregations are located has a direct impact on the health of the congregation. If a community is declining in population, chances are the congregations within it will also be declining. Nor can you expect stewardship to rise when everyone in town is laid off as some churches I suspect discovered during the last economic downturn. What is, also, Exciting is that the Israelites rose to the challenge in Babylon by creating community centers within the exile community whose focus was education, language instruction in Hebrew and Aramaic, social events, active engagement in the larger community, and prayer. These community centers eventually evolved into the synagogues that were brought back to Israel when God restored them to the promised land, and which flourish everywhere in the world where Jewish communities exist. The exiles found a way to sing the Lord's song in a foreign land through creativity, through the courage to do something brand new, something no one had thought to do before and did this in the face of despair. 
This is what Christian congregations, also, need to do. We all need to be courageous and creative enough to enter this time of transition thoughtfully and intentionally because when we do, we will discover a new way of being church that is so new, it will redefine what it means to be the people of the way. This is the challenge for congregations in a time of transition as they consider how they will redefine their identity then live that identity, how they will care for each other, so everyone thrives, how they will create a deeper spirituality through a creative and imaginative worship, and how they will engage their neighborhood, so the congregation becomes stronger, more visible, and more highly valued as a catalyst for health and a thriving well-being that will ripple throughout this neighborhood and into the entire city, so the presence of this faith community will make a difference and will matter to the entire community. This challenge is not beyond any congregation to engage. Right now, there are congregations doing creative ministries through collaborative relationships with community agencies on mission projects that seek to make systemic changes in the health and well-being of their communities. I am one of the passionate proponents of this approach because in my own research and ministry with congregations attempting change I discovered that when a congregation goes outside of its walls to do mission that is focused on improving the health of the community, the community response to the congregation is positive and the congregation is awakened to the hope and possibilities for life that seemed impossible to imagine as new people come to worship and participate in the life of the congregation. Now, lest you think I am as one colleague described me dangerously naive about the long-term possibilities of this, it has been working in Boston's Dorchester neighborhood since the late 1980s when Rev. Eugene Rivers and other pastors involved their congregations to end gang violence and influence in their neighborhoods. By 1991 gang violence in those neighborhoods was reduced by about 25% and those same faith communities are acting today to make systemic changes in that neighborhood through the Ten Point Coalition. It happened in Worcester. Mass when the Pleasant Street Baptist Church sought the health of the community, and it is continuing through the neo-monastic community the simple way in Philadelphia. Every time Christians walk out into the mission field right outside their doors with an assured hope and an unshakable faith in God, seeking the health of the community by creating meaningful community and by encouraging seekers to seek the transcendence and mystery leading to the exciting discovery of the meaning and purposefulness for each person's life that is when the entire community experiences the completeness of God's peace embracing them which is exactly what God desires for all humanity and for all creation.